Michael Swickert here with uh, Enchanting People of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili, boy, is it good. It's from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, the chili capital of the world. In today's world, people travel hundreds of miles, even thousands of miles, in just one day. Jet airplanes and interstate highways, oh. Often, these traveling people are not amazed at going from, say, St. Louis, Missouri to San Francisco in just three or four hours. Or if you're driving, it would take several days to go from there through Las Cruces and then up to San Francisco. So, Michael, why are you talking about people traveling about 2,500 miles? Well, since we talk history and culture, 160-some-odd years ago, there was an entrepreneur named John Butterfield. You may have seen historical markers talking about the Butterfield Overland Trail, which went through El Paso and Las Cruces. The Butterfield name is still here, here and there, though that venture only lasted about three years. But what a glorious three years it was. Your first question might be, why go from back east to the west coast back then, 160-some-odd years ago? Well, there's a lot of reasons, and it centers on California, which was the property of the Mexican government until the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which was in 1848. Now, an important day here and a lot of places is September 9th, 1850, when Millard Fillmore, you remember him? He was the 13th president of the United States. He signed a bill that created the state of California, 31st state, along with the territory of New Mexico. To understand, you need to know one thing about the territory of New Mexico that isn't obvious right now. At that time, there was no Arizona. So the territory of New Mexico which went from Texas all the way to California. And what did that do when he signed that bill? Well, what it did when he created it, uh, it the, at the time, the Texas panhandle to the California border was just New Mexico and California. And it filled out our United States from coast to coast, from sea to shining sea. Uh, that's when it happened. And that was about 20 years before railroads were built. So travel, how should I say it, was slow, dangerous, and certainly not much fun. Not much fun at all. Samuel Johnson, writing in the 18th century, wrote, Being in a ship is like being in jail with a chance of being drowned. Well, thousands of people for a long time there made the long trip to California from the East Coast and they went around the bottom of South America in very turbulent water. It took about 200 to 220 days. Each day, most of the travelers were seasick. It was no, it was no fun at all. Uh, there were two other ways. People could join a wagon train, making about 8 to 10 miles a day with all sorts of dangers, running out of water and snakes and all sorts of things. Uh, which wasn't much fun, or they could sail to the Isthmus of Panama and then travel by land west to the Pacific Ocean and then get on a ship going to California. Um, you could do that in 100 days, not 200. 
But uh, you've had a good chance of dying from some mosquito-infested swampland. That was a significant danger. A lot of people did that. There was a call for a better and faster way to go east to west and west to east. In 1857, the U.S. government asked for bids for an overland mail service to California from St. Louis, Missouri, or Memphis, Tennessee. They went from both of those places, and uh, they were going to use stagecoaches. That brings us to, oh yeah, we're talking about John Butterfield, who we are celebrating today. The trail was to go through Texas to New Mexico, then out to California. Remember, New Mexico included what is Arizona now, so it was just Texas, New Mexico, California. John Butterfield had an enormous task of coordinating all the parts of this enterprise, and you will see how, I'll talk about how complicated. It was perhaps as complicated as sending a man to the moon in the 1960s. Michael Swickard here, Enchanting People of New Mexico. Hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. I'm talking about John Butterfield, a visionary entrepreneur who founded the Butterfield Overland Mail System in 1857-1858. It was a twice-a-week set of stagecoaches going east or west. There were nine bids on the contract, and they actually all got together afterwards because it was awarded to John Butterfield Sr., uh, in New York, in reality, there was a lot of those people. They all banded together because it was going to take an incredible effort to do this. He had a year to get it all set up uh, by September 16th, 1858, when it was supposed to start the six-year contract. Now, what he had to do, well, he had to se select the path he would take and decide where he would go where to place the stations. He had to buy the horses and mules. He had to hire the people who would work in the route, both operating the stations, of which there was 175 of them, or providing the hay, water, and food for each station. It's about 1,500 employees he had to get. Some of the places like Las Cruces and El Paso had a, a, you know buildings already built, and so they just had to be fixed up. But many other ones, way out in the middle of nowhere, they had to be built from scratch, from the ground up, digging the wells, building the animal pens and station and support buildings. He had about 100 stagecoaches he got from there in New York and brought in a lot of wagons, and he set them about 30 miles apart. And the company spent about $1 million getting started now, what would $1 million be today? It'd be about $37 million in today's dollars. <clears throat> now, the hardest part of all this was about 2,000 miles of mostly wilderness, and that's where the danger was to be out there and have no one around you. Now, let's look at the human part of traveling from St. Louis or Memphis, Tennessee, through El Paso and Las Cruces to San Francisco. It was picturesque riding along in a stagecoach. That's the way we see it. But it was not any kind of fun with three people on each side of the small stagecoach. Have you ever gotten in one of those or looked at them up close? Very small. I'm not uh, the size that could ride happily in one of those. Well, and so you were scrunched together. You were holding your luggage uh, on your lap a blanket and a canteen of water. You had to have the canteen of water. And then uh, the bags of mail. Remember, this is what started, was getting the mail going. 
They were on your feet, which was no joy. You got a few minutes to walk around while the horses were being changed every 30 miles or so. It was certainly rugged travel and sleep. Oh, yeah, sleep. You slept wedged by your other two passengers. They didn't stop for a hotel or anything. They averaged about 100 miles each day, and the trip took about, are you ready for this, 25 days. Ooh. The cost of the trip, $200, and in 1858 dollars, that would have been about $7,500 today. You got 25 pounds of baggage you could carry on your lap. The meals over that 25 days were said to be poor at best, with beans and biscuits the very best of it, and it didn't happen very often. Uh, didn't have any of that good green chili, which I like to talk about. That would have been delightful, but nope. There was a driver and a conductor with a shotgun with three pairs of horses pulling each coach. The stagecoaches left each terminal twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, with freight, mail, and passengers. At any one moment, there'd be about 30 stagecoaches on the trails east to west and west to east, which kept the stations out there busy caring for and taking care of the horses and, for a few moments, the hungry passengers. And there was one thing I know people will ask me about. Uh, you know, when they ask uh, people, astronauts, they have one question they may ask most astronauts. It's about the bathrooms. Well, so what about the bathrooms on this? Well, there weren't any. <clears throat> you may have seen a John Ford movie depicting people happily riding around in the stagecoaches, and they didn't show any bathroom issues either because there wasn't, and I'm not going to go any farther with that. Michael Swickard, Enchanting People of New Mexico, each Wednesday. We do a podcast on people who are special to New Mexico. You can hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. I'm talking about John Butterfield, who started the enterprise, the Butterfield Mail and Coach Trail, which uh, for three years went through southern New Mexico, from Missouri to San Francisco. <clears throat> At the height of the venture, it was making perhaps... $400,000 a year on passenger service, <clears throat> perhaps $600,000 on freight and mail. Each coach carried 1,200 letters, so a cool million dollars a year, which would be again about $37 million today's dollars, uh, was made for three years, two years. It was enough, but two things happened to kill the project. First off, and the thing that absolutely stopped it, was the Civil War started and Congress canceled the southern route through El Paso and Las Cruces. So all of the stations were disbanded and the people moved on. Many moved to the California gold fields. They actually ran some stagecoaches up north <coughs> through all the snow, but th that didn't work real well. And the telephone li uh, telegraph lines made it from east to west. And so the absolute need for instant or quick mail communications was, was lessened. It all ended in just three years, hundreds, perhaps thousands of Americans coming through El Paso and Las Cruces on their way to Los Angeles and San Francisco. But the memories of that 25-day journey, I'm telling you, you can read a lot of reports. It stayed with those people for the rest of their lives. It was considered a badge of honor to have survived the trip. It was during the time of the Butterfield uh, stage lines, uh, uh, something that also involved the military. The 
Kansas, the 9th Kansas Cavalry, were put on the route the 2,500 miles <coughs> for protection against outlaws and also Native Americans. One correspondent writing the letter said no Butterfield stage was ever held up by outlaws and no one on the stages were ever killed during the company's service on the Southern Overland Trail. That was the one that went through Las Cruces and El Paso. Only once was the stage attacked by Indians, and that was at Apache Pass. February 4, 1861, the conductor suffered a slight bullet wound to his leg, and he was fine later. Today, which is 160 years later, you can still see remnants of the Butterfield stage stop along the ways here and there. For us here in southern New Mexico, there it is visible at the Waco Tanks State Historic Park or site east of El Paso. You can there's a little that you can see stuff that they had there, and then also at the Guadalupe Mountains National Park. And as I said a little earlier, you'll see the name Butterfield still on buildings here in southern New Mexico, and it uh, has a lot of references to the Butterfield Trail. Now John Butterfield died in 1869, and but there's a, a Butterfield reference I bet you don't know, and uh, you will know as soon as I talk about it. It wasn't about John who was so important, and he was important to our country and to southern New Mexico. No, it was about his son. See, John Butterfield's son, Daniel Adams Butterfield, was a Union general in the Civil War, and afterward he was an assistant U.S. treasurer in the government but he will always be remembered for creating something on a bugle. The military bugle uh, call that's known as TAPS, that's what he created. He took a variation of a bugle call known as Scott Tattoo, which we only know now as TAPS, and it's played every day in our country as servicemen and servicewomen are buried, and it is a great, great uh, remembrance song, Taps. Michael Swickard, Enchanting People of New Mexico. Each Wednesday we do a podcast about people. We're glad that we can do uh, talk about uh, New Mexico people. Now, uh, we do have special reserve machete hatch chopped green chili. And what it's good about its heat level is a little below average. So if you've got kind of a tender mouth, that's perfect for you. And if you like medium, we have Big Jim. And it's a medium, very good. It's my favorite. Hot, you like hot? We've got Matador, which uh, is just great. It's a little extra hot. I can eat it, but it's a little more than I really want. So if you want the flavor of chili and just the right heat taste, check that out at freshchilico.com, freshchilico.com. Michael Swickard here, Enchanting People of New Mexico. Thank you for your time today. We'll always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico. And uh, if you have something or someone you'd like me to talk about, let me know. Write to me, michael at freshchilico.com, michael at freshchilico.com. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, yes, and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili is good, more is better. Bye for now.